Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod and on Twitter at tck underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at tckpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. We have finally made it week one. If we had a cool producer... We would insert the NFL theme song. We don't have a cool producer or the NFL theme song. So, Dwayne, week one, episode 256. Uh, this is our Stat Rat series, but uh, since we don't have uh, any games to actually look at or any stats to look at, we're just doing sort of a what to watch for in week one, as well as some, like, props, features, stuff like that, um, just to kind of prep for week one so you know what to be looking for when you're watching. If you're me, you're Red Zone. If you're anyone else, the local games. So, Dwayne, how you doing? I'm great, man. I'm so, so freaking jacked. This is, this is a good time. Although this year, for whatever reason, uh, might be having to do with what we're going to be talking about here in a minute, but like, I just feel a little nervous. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but this week I feel nervous going into week one on top of obviously all the excitement I've decked out, decked out my garage. I've got like six fucking TVs in there. We're going to be watching every game that we can watch. I got couches and shit. We're going to social distance properly. Lucas, but we're going to watch a lot of fucking football. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like all the time we had off in four less weeks of preseason, I feel like rushed for some reason. Or like, I'm still like. it's. It might be the preseason games, right? We haven't been able to watch any football. Mm-hmm. I mean, normally I watch some of the preseason. I like to see at least the highlights from the guys at preseason. We didn't see any of that. So this feels yeah. a little much. Yeah, I think that's what kind of part of this episode is. We're going to start off here. Kind of just go over some, in terms of like what to watch for in general, but some backfields that um, obviously we'll be breaking down next Tuesday when you're hearing this next week, like the, the snap counts, the red zone touches, all that stuff, but maybe stuff you could be watching for if you're watching the games to maybe get a jump start, I guess, on what our final analysis is of these backfields we list. Because with preseason, we would probably know a lot more about these backfields, but that is the part that really nothing. is tough that we don't know. Um, so we'll start right into a good one. That seems like it would have been preseason worthy to have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fournette finally gone. Couldn't get any trade bait for him. I, th- that part doesn't make sense to me in the NFL. Whole different conversation. How they can't even get like a seventh round pick. Like literally any team. Throw a seventh for Leonard Fournette. Whole different conversation. There's got to be a backdoor rumor mill that says that, you know, don't trade for this guy. We're going to drop him if we don't get some that the people, somebody low down on the organization is talking to other teams and letting them know this shit. Gotta be. Yeah. I, I don't get it. So now that leaves us with in the Jacksonville backfield, Chris Thompson, Devino Zigbo, Raquel Armstead, James Robinson, maybe LaVisca Chenault getting some wildcat reps. We'll see. But basically it seemed like it was going to be Rock Armstead, Raquel Armstead's backfield, and he still hasn't practiced for the last two weeks. They basically said that they don't think he's going to play. 
he's on like the the COVID list, but it's not even like COVID. It's like a disclosed injury. Or yeah, it's the second time. time. So then, other news came out today. Uh, we haven't got the official depth chart from the Jags, but that James Robinson. And I'm sure if you listened, oh gosh, this would have been like in March. Dwayne hyping up James Robinson, Robinson, uh, UDFA out of Illinois State. Last year in for 1,400 yards. I know I don't know what his total was in college, but uh, you can. I guess what it means is he's apparently going to be the starter. So how does that affect the overall view of this backfield for you? And how do you think it's going to shape up in week one? Look, uh, okay, so this Robinson starting thing is is cool, and I can brag about it because I was calling this guy before the dra- NFL draft that, you know, he should be taken. And after the draft, I said, watch to see where he's going to go because it'll be important. Um, and I was taking him in every rookie draft. I could get my hands on him in that last round. But the bottom line is Ozigbo is going to get the bulk of the snap count, I think, in this game, um, probably the bulk of the touches, although I don't think that split's going to be that far off between the three guys. Chris Thompson will do a bunch of pass catching work. Um, he'll be in their pass blocking more often than not, because one thing Robinson doesn't do well is is pass block. But I think I think Robinson's starting is a little bit of a, hey, we we like this kid, heads up, we trust you, we like what you did in camp, so here's like a nod to you. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm he's not like a 50% snap guy. If they go 20%, 20%, um, whatever that leaves, 55% snap would be between the three of them. That's that's kind of what I expect, and I think Ozigbo leads the way. I'm not touching any of them in any format anywhere at all for this week. Uh, let's until like we see what happens. But uh, if you have to have one, and if you really want a super fucking cheap daily guy, Ozigbo's the guy I'd probably choose still. Yeah, I think what we're really going to want to watch for um, is the the red zone work. I think to me, or the the more important snaps. I know those aren't really quantifiable outside of red zone touches. But if you're just watching the game, or if you're rewatching highlights, like who's getting the ball when this team's moving down the field? It reminds me of, and it's kind of like a no-brainer, uh, I guess, stereotype, but the Broncos backfield with Philip Lindsay, uh, undrafted free agent, kind of got a lot of hype outside of preseason. It was more just like he was so good in training camp, they gave him touches, outworked the Royce Freeman, or in this case, the Divino Zigbo, and eventually was like a top 20 PPR running back that year. I don't think Robinson's going to finish that high, but I think it, he has he has the highest return on investment to me for ADP or for what you can get for him on your waivers, et cetera, just because that explosiveness, the, the, the true workhorse stature that he had, and I know it's FBS, but it still counts that he could really take over this backfield. Cause Thompson is, he, Thompson's role, like his, his ranking didn't move up for me once Fournette got cut. That, that's kind of like the, the, the role he had. He might get a couple more rush att- rushing attempts a game, but his targets are his targets, not really more than that. And he's injury prone. So I think this will definitely be one that, uh, we'll need to circle back on because I mean, and then Armstead, if he comes back week two, then we got to revisit. That's how that that's the ticket there. To me, it's and I, I think I said this. It was either you um, last week. Or I don't know who the hell it was. Maybe it was Sky, but I think Rock Armstead is season long the guy to own here. He's gonna get. He'll get the first, second, and third chance at least to win this backfield. I think um, the team likes him. They liked him before you know, anything started happening in the offseason. They liked what he did last year on the team. Even though his game work wasn't very productive with the ball, they liked this kid. They trusted him. So, you know, as long as he's not dying to cancer, because it is an illness. They said it's some other illness mm-hmm. that he's been dealing with, and there's no timetable for return. So 
Like if, you know, if he doesn't die, it's going to be him eventually. And he's fallen, fallen, fallen. So pick him. I say pick him if you must have somebody. And if you're playing DFS, I think Jose Bow and Robinson, even both are definitely viable plays. Uh, the Colts, they have a good front seven, but their defense is subpar in general. And volume is volume in DFS, especially with the salary adjusted uh, volume, I guess you could say they're going to get. Moving on to another backfield that maybe got shaken up uh, this past weekend, the Miami Dolphins here. So they had Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, and then they go out here and prove why John Gruden is the worst head coach in the NFL. That's right. He's worse than Adam Gase. John Gruden took <laughs> Lynn Bowden. I with you, but yeah, that's a tough call. Gase is bad, Okay, dude. he's second worst. But so, so they draft Lynn Bowden. Immediately claim him as running fourth back. Fourth round? Fourth round? Third, third round, round? Fourth round? Third round. Yeah, third round. And then they traded him for a fourth round pick before the season even started. They, traded they said he looked Dolphins. terrible. They said he looked like shit in camp. Because he was playing a position that he hasn't played since high school. That, 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 that is why. Dolphins immediately say he's going to play slot receiver for them. Every part of me wants to just, I know, I know we're talking about backfields, but Bowden still probably have some LaVisca Chenault type running back shares, handoffs, whatever. I, he's going to start every snap in the slot. You're not every snap, but like he's going to play a good amount of snap slot, slot snaps for this team. Right. Like, I don't know who. Of a Wilson replacement. And uh, Alan Hearns, but like Jakeem Grant's there, but like this team's going to be trailing a lot. Like you would think that Bowden's a good stash or. Albert Wilson's last year production was, is, is this kid's ceiling. It's not very high. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. Now I was drafting him in rookie drafts uh, for dynasty purposes because, you know, his profile says that he can be something, but I don't like where he's at. I don't like the reports we saw in camp. I think he's going to flame out if I'm honest. I'm not super excited about him at all. But if we're talking about the backfield in Miami, you know, I've said it before. I like both of these guys and I would draft either um, Howard or Brita. And this week in week one, in some of my daily lineups, I'm starting Howard. In some of my daily lineups, I'm starting Brito. I like them both. But but Bowden, to me, is, he's he's a – I think there's, there's a better chance he flames out in the NFL than not at this point. Yeah, yeah it's just kind of weird. I guess I don't really understand the whole concept of it. The, the Dolphins do play the Patriots. So we, in theory, might see more Matt Breida snaps than uh, Jordan Howard snaps. We'll go over all that, first quarter snaps, et cetera, just so you get the real – Give me those goal so, line work, though. We'll see. Yeah, Howard touch Howard scores. I'm gonna call it. Howard scores this week. All right, player props out there. I'm sure they do touchdown, yes, no, or over under touchdown or whatever they do. Howard is yeah, the line's only like six and a half. I don't think I want to touch that, but it was just kind of weird to see the Dolphins in an opener against the Patriots at six and a half, which is kind of I think seen I've seen it in six in some spots. It's kind of a little weird there's to a, say the least. There's a colored history between the Patriots and the Dolphins. Now in Foxborough, it's all it's all Patriots all the time. I think the last time the Dolphins beat the Patriots in, in New England was like 2008, or maybe it was 2012. It was the uh, it was the the uh, Wildcat game when the Wildcat was first sort of introduced into the NFLs when they mm-hmm. beat him there. But yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna go Miami's way here. But the Miami Dolphins, better than any team in that division, have given New England a run for their money, at least in Miami. So, like, I see where that's coming from a little bit. But, yeah, I, I like Howard to score, though. I, I think Breida gets the, the bulk of the work, probably more probably more total touches. But give me a touchdown for Howard this week. 
for sure. All right, we'll move on here to, I guess we were running victory laps, but then we weren't running victory laps against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here. So the, the, I, I said it since they really drafted Vaughn that the process behind everyone loving Rojo was not a process. It was completely, they like Rojo, but everything they said went against Rojo in the argument. So I, I've made it easy that I don't know how to project it. And Fournette signing there basically solved that projection, I guess you could say for me. Hey, Bruce Arians said it very clearly. Ronald Jones is our guy. Didn't Bruce Arians say that exact quote last year at this time, though? Here, that didn't end well. And I don't even, like, I don't, I don't know who the starter is. I don't think there's one starting running back because they still have Shady. They still have Keyshawn Vaughn, who his role will increase as the season goes on because he seems to get acclimated, whatever. It, the, I guess the way I see it is if Ronald Jones can't beat out Peyton Barber last year, it's not like he got better at football in the offseason. Like, he, yeah. maybe he got stronger and maybe he got quicker, but he didn't get better at football. Like, they knew what they had with him last year. All this hype, you don't just sign Fournette just because. Even though I made the case, why not? Like, if there is all this hype, it would have been true. They would have Rojo and Shady and their special teams captain they cut to get Fournette in here and Ogunbu Wale, who played quite a bit of snaps last year. So, I didn't rank Fournette super high. I think he's at, like, RB28. Rojo's, like, RB38, something like that. But I – I think Fournette's the starter, uh, maybe not in week one because he literally has a week to prep. But I think in, in the long run, I think we'll see Fournette's snaps go up and up and up. And he can catch the ball. We saw that last year. It wasn't very efficient. But he, but he has that three-down workhorse status that yep. we want to project Rojo for, but it just wasn't going to happen. I think um, – now, I, I will tell you that I'm, I like taking Rojo. And I, I put him in a few daily lineups this week just because what you mm-hmm. said, Fournette has had zero time. Yeah. And um, it, the lines, the daily lines make it look like uh, the experts have Fournette taking too much work this week. So Rojo's dirt damn cheap. Um, and I think I, and for this week alone, I'm taking him just so that I can have him somewhere sometime at least once. But, uh, yeah, Fournette's going Fournette's to own this backfield shortly. He's a fourth mm-hmm. overall pick, and that's he. He is he is still that talented. Okay. Yeah. yeah we we don't guy. run we don't run victory laps around fading a player than signing a player, but we do run victory laps around the people that still rank Ronald Jones higher than Leonard Fournette, and that they they negate, they deny the process still with with what has happened. So I I don't even know if I want Fournette in fantasy even in the long run of the season daily fantasy yeah I'm, I'm sure there'll be there'll be room to maneuver there but I think it's more of a football move for a team that is trying to literally they they rename themselves the Tampa Bay so that's all you need to know for the season for them along the line I'll tell you Bay, about that sorry. backfield I was I was disappointed to see Raymond Calais cut from that team though. I know he signed with a. Uh, Oh gosh, he signed somewhere. Um, he did, yes, he did. He did go somewhere on the on the fifty three. Actually, he Tampa put him on the practice squad, and he went somewhere. I don't remember where, but he went. He he's on a fifty three man roster somewhere. Look that up real quick while I'm talking. I am because he, he like like uh, my boy Robinson was somebody that I loved in the pre draft era. Where is it? I'm trying to find here. Well, the youngest Twitter was be good at uh, supposed to be good at googling. Uh, oh, the Rams. Hey, that's intriguing. Let's talk about the Rams real quick, shall we? Because th- this is a team with a, sort of a surprise depth chart move here. Malcolm Brown's going to be the starter. We know Henderson's hurt, um, but uh, it's not Cam Akers. And I think that came as a shock to a lot of people. Do you buy that Malcolm Brown 
gets starting back work or can, carries the majority of the snaps or touches or anything this week? Or is this another just, I'm not giving the rookie the nod over Malcolm no. Brown so you can have week one starter status? I I don't know. Because I don't really have any shares of Acres in general. So, like, I don't really – I guess that more so I haven't, like, cared enough to really evaluate it, I think, is the way to put it. I know I was, like, bad, like, trying to give advice on it or whatever. But I think – Fantasy analyst professional over whatever, here. Yeah. Lucas Kaser, people. I think I think it's just more a split because uh, Henderson's not going to play week one. They said the growing optimism and everyone's like, oh, he's playing. No, that is growing optimism from not playing whatsoever. So, that's, like, maybe yeah. playing. I think it's just more of a split, I guess. I don't – yeah, what do you think? I think – I think Akers ends up with the slight edge in snaps and work and production this week, but that's just going to grow over time. Again, no preseason for a rookie running back. Um, and, and this is a coaching staff that has shown an affinity and, and a uh, trust in Malcolm Brown. They brought him back a couple of times. They are faithful to him. So I think they're giving him the starting nod here, but Cam Akers is over the next, you know, two, three weeks, maybe by week four or five, he's going to have 65% of the, the work easy. Yeah, and I think, so I, I think, own a lot of shares of Cam Akers. Yeah. You know, I didn't love him pre-draft, but I was taking him in redraft leagues, round six, round seven, and I, I was getting him anywhere I could. I like. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be good. Although, watch out for Raymond Calais, baby. That kid. That's true. That he's probably move. the three, right? If Henderson's out, would he be the three? Yeah, I don't know who else is even there. So he might get some snaps. And they can't, some, they, can't keep two, they can't keep that many guys on the 53. They can't keep six fucking running backs on the three. True. So pay attention if Clay gets some snaps. Um, he's probably a special teams guy, I'd imagine, or something. Because the dude is yeah, he is. Stuff, fast, as shit. fast as shit. True. All righty. The New England Patriots are the next team here. Uh, Damian Harris, as of today, Monday recording, got put on the IR for at least three weeks. So it goes from Lamar Miller's a hand, starter. Hand huh? surgery, right? Hand yeah. surgery. Mm-hmm. So, I th- I would you would think it's more than three weeks. I, I we'll see. That if look, it's not going to be exact. They don't put them on the three week IR if it might be just three. Like that's maybe four or five. Okay. Yeah. So that leaves Sony Michelle, which I didn't even think he was going to play. Now he's back to the work, not workforce, but back to the role he had last year. James White and Rex Burkhead. Really, I think like the the Lamar Miller being cut, the Damian Harris not playing, really just boosts. James White for me. Oh, yeah. Like, there's not even a chance he sees a decrease. Like, not that they were going to totally decrease his snaps, but, like, there was a chance. But now, like, it's right back to where it was last year. And you introduce a team that I guess I'm a believer that this offense is going to be not just as good, but, like, they're going to prove to everyone they can run with Cam Newton and literally the same offense they had last year. So, James White, to me, is still, like, 26 in my rankings. Just I, I can't rank him higher. But, like, on my weekend, week out, I'll probably crack the top 24 every week. Love him. Love him. I, I just did a draft right before this, and I missed him by one pick, and I was so upset that I couldn't get it. Because his stock has to go through the roof. I mean, Sony will be on the field, but Sony played like shit last year, and he's getting worse by the day. It's a knee thing, right? It's not like mm-hmm. he's uh, he just had a down year. He is physically getting less capable of playing the game. And then there's Rex Burkhead, which, you know, Burkhead we saw in the beginning of the year last year had plenty of work. He and White were sort of interchangeable in those first few weeks. But he is not a, a a specimen of good health either. This guy's off the field plenty with his own injury issues. James White, I think, has the potential to what? Where did he finish last year? Top twelve? Top fourteen? Uh, he was no, he was nine two years ago. I think he was like twenty twenty six last year. Okay. So that's why it was kind of like I think gap. I think there's a good a decent chance that he kind of returns to that 
you know, he's flirting with the top 15 at least this year. I like James White a lot. And I like him a lot this week, um, especially because so I don't trust that Sony's actually 100% like they say. So, fuck yeah, give me James White, man. And I, I guess one thing we didn't even, like, mention was they cut Muhammad Sanu, which even mm-hmm. boosted him more. Um, I was I think last Wednesday the commission guys were on. They were saying, like, I mean, I'm going to be the highest on Edelman no matter what or whatever. But they, they were saying, like, who else is going to take up Sanu's targets? Like, maybe Harry, but, like, really? Like is, is Damir it, is Bird, it, baby. Well, he's going to take snaps, but he's not going to take a ton of targets. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So we'll definitely uh, hopefully be running big three laps with James White next time you guys hear us on Tuesday. One Let's talk about this. This, one, this one's yeah. real interesting. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the team closest to me. I wouldn't call it my team, but it is the closest mm-hmm. to my physical location. Uh, big news in Detroit, baby. Some shit went down on the Detroit Lions. Adrian Peterson snagged up there we still have deandre swift super high draft it was the second or third back take and carry on johnson still in detroit what is gonna happen i think carry on is technically starting because swift has looked bad hasn't really done a lot on the practice field but ap's gonna get the ball in week one isn't he so i to me the signing like when it first happened because it was it was pretty early morning so like i didn't really like we didn't have reports on like maybe why it happened, whatever. I thought it was more so Swift's going to be put on the IR for four weeks because he really just hasn't been practicing, kind of like the Damian Harris IR, because they still had Scarborough, but they put Scarborough on the IR today because he's has been banged up and like there's no point of they're like we don't need him. We can just sign AP, let him because he's he's a good running back to have in like a rotation, kind of a Legarrette yeah. Blunt type running back. So it it seems like he's going to take in the long term Scarborough's role. I don't know, 10 rushes a game, but that even seems like a lot compared to like, that's what, a lot. Yeah. But like, but it's AP though. Right. So you've got to like, I know, I know he's 36, but like it's, it's AP though. And I think everyone feels that way. So to me from the start, I think it means they're just going to either, I think we could see sort of like a Deandre Swift game day and active type thing, or like, a, like they don't need to play him because KJ was going to be yeah. the starter week one anyways. Now you're just throwing AP and they're playing the bears. Like you would think it's going to be, I don't want to say an easy game, but it's not like, oh, we need a huge performance for our running back to keep up with the Bears when that game is probably going to be kind of a sneaky shootout because the Lions defense is trash, too. So, I guess I don't you know. Say like, two. You say two. I think that means you think the Bears defense is trash? Sorry, I meant to say, like, the Lions offense is good, the Bears defense is okay. trash because the Bears defense is good. Jalen Johnson starting from left corner. He's a beast. Uh, yeah, I guess it's more so, like, I don't know if the data we're going to get from week one – even if Swift plays is like accurate because yeah. to me they they don't bench carry on for AP they don't bench Swift for AP but then they still signed AP so like it's just going to be weird I think to evaluate it um I, I lowered both in my rankings obviously just because you have to just from a volume perspective but I mean I was kind of off Swift anyways because the concept of him being this workhorse like it, again process is terrible people were ranking him in like the top 20 and like no, like this is not going to happen. And then other ports, he's not practicing. KJ's going to start, lowered him even more. So carry on, I like for week one DFS. Uh, there's no player props out now. But I think if he's in anywhere in like the 60 to 65 range of yardage, like that's over for me all day just because he's going to get a ton of volume. See, I wouldn't touch, I wouldn't touch any of them. Um, you know, that Bears, Bears rush defense, Akeem Hicks yeah. is a, a damn stud. They when he's playing and he missed a, a good chunk of last season. When he's playing, it's tough to get anything going against this 
this team. I think first half rushing numbers for Detroit uh, as a team might be 20 yards in the first half there. So, like, I don't want anything to do with that mm -hmm. rush game this week. So I'm off it anyway. So it's a week that you can kind of see how the game plan is going to go as far as I'm concerned. Let's talk about AP's old team then real quick, the Washington football team. Darius Geis leaves the team. They, they cut Adrian Peterson off of this team. Uh, who's left? Bryce Love is there. Antonio Gibson, who all of a sudden is everybody's favorite, favorite fucking running back in the world. Like, what is going to happen on this team? So I moved Gibson to 31 in my rankings. And everyone's probably like, that's way too low. People have him at 20, blah, blah, blah. And I think like the way, I don't know. I hear, The way I think about this is, is they drafted Gibson fairly high, right? Early round three. Like, so they knew what they drafted him for. Why did it take so long to get rid of AP for him to be the starter? Like, it's just kind of, like, weird because he only had 71 college total touches in two years, I believe, maybe three. Yeah, but a lot of touchdowns. Yeah, like, no, like, I'm, not, I'm saying he's good, but, like, I just can't move him higher than, like, I mean, he's, he's in the tier with – it'd be – he's leading the tier of Jordan Howard, Sonny Michelle, Tariq Cohen, Rojo, Dobbins, Zach Moss, Brita. Like, I just can't move him higher than that. That's Yeah, that's a good spot. I like him. I like him there. I've been trying – I've been targeting him around, around nine or so in my redraft leagues, nine or ten in my redraft leagues, which unfortunately means I'm not getting him very often right now just because he is fantasy football's butt boy. Like, this yeah. is what everybody wants. I do think this week – he will lead uh, production-wise between the two. I think Bryce Loves will probably get the most snaps, will get the start. But I think Gibson will lead production-wise as far as yardage on the team this week. And moving forward, we'll see. Like, legitimately, he has a shot at being a really good running back in this league, at least, at least a really good fantasy back who will never get more than, you know, 12 touches a game. But those 12 touches for a guy like this, we saw it at Memphis, can be huge. Yeah, and I think the only one pushback I have is Peyton Barber is going to have snaps. Oh, Peyton Barber's on the team. I forgot about him. So I think, like, to me, really. what, I'm, what I'm hoping is people play him in DFS. They're, like, drafting him super high, and then Peyton Barber leads the team in touches. Just is a big slap in the face because they just totally had a process for ranking, threw it all away once 36-year-old yeah. Adrian Peterson got cut. Like, how many, how many carries did we actually think AP was going to get with six running backs on the team? So, like, I don't know. Like Peyton Barber are, is the dream killer, though. Like he is the dream killer. He's a good running back, you, you though. Draft guys because you think, oh, I'm gonna win my league with this guy, and then Peyton Barber fucking destroys all of your hopes and dreams. So that would not surprise me. So if you're playing the Millie Maker on DraftKings, don't play Gibson because one, everyone else is gonna play him, or literally any DraftKings lineup. Two, there's you no know what I'd, I'd throw yeah. Bryce Love in there if I'm running or Barber lineups, though. I'd put him in a lineup or two. Yeah, and I think Gibson was 4,000 because I was just doing – I don't do that till like, Sunday. I lock everything in because there's no point of yeah. doing it now because, obviously, injuries, trade, whatever, all that stuff happens. So, yeah, keep in mind on that. Uh, I think that's really all the backfields. No, I got one more real one quick. More. Yep. One more question for you. Indianapolis. Okay. So, I, I told you last week how much I, I just absolutely love Marlon Mack. But Jonathan Taylor is who Jonathan Taylor is. Naheem Hines, coach says he's he wants him to get ten catches a game. This week, what do you? We're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, probably one of the worst defenses in the league. By the time this thing's said and done, maybe one of the worst, maybe the worst team in the league. By the time this is said and done, um, what do you expect in week one? If I'm picking one of these guys 
for a flex spot? Because that's what people are thinking about and dealing with. Who do you trust? Yeah, so on PFF, it's like the main site I use for any football stuff. Uh, the Colts have the, the best O-line, D-line matchup in run and pass percentage, yeah. like it's, uh, green or red percentage by a lot. Um, and it makes sense because the, the Jaguars' D-line is now a bunch of rookies that I think are good. But I think, like, obviously the rookies going Rips. against uh, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, uh, Costanzo. Yeah, like, you don't want to mess with that. And this is the week where I'm going to play Mac over rushing yards. I'm going to play Jonathan Taylor under rushing yard prop because this happened last year. Opening night, the Bears-Packers, Dave Montgomery was a third-round pick. And for some reason, I was the only one who said that Mike Davis is going to start the game just because, well, one, he was the starting running back on the depth chart. And two, they said he was going to start. And everyone, like, faded it, faded it. And Montgomery's prop line is at like 70 rushing yards. No, like people love the rookie. And so basically what I'm saying is if you see Jonathan Taylor's rushing yards anywhere from 65 up, just play under. Play under just because you're projecting him to outtouch Marlon Mack by was it relatively they have 30, 32, 30 to 35 rushing attempts. I would say Rivers gets one to two of them just because you have to account for that. Hines is gonna get four. And then you're splitting between, what's that, 629. You're splitting that in half, which probably won't happen. Give Taylor 10. Yeah. you got to expect six yards per carry, which definitely could happen, but not his first game in the NFL. Against the Jacksonville Jaguars team that the defense isn't good, but, like, the concept of that defense has been good for a while where, like, they still understand how to tackle and play defense. So, yeah, that's basically how I'm going to handle it. Uh, DFS – all year long. That's exactly how you handle that all year long, by the way. Marlon Mack is – I don't mind Taylor running. DFS because, like, if he breaks one touchdown, which it definitely – like, because we like Mack, but, like, the chances of Taylor breaking a touchdown to Mack or – it's Taylor's going to win that battle more often than not. So, like, I don't say, uh, like – Marlon Mack had the, was number eight in the league in uh, big plays last year. Yeah. Yards, yards over 15 yards. And he only played 15 games. Like, if he'd – or if he'd have played all 16 – He'd have been number seven, number six. Yeah. That's good. But I guess basically I've been on I've been on the, the, the podcast all year saying they want to win. The Colts, Frank Wright, Ballard want to win games. They don't give a crap who runs the ball on their team. Jonathan Williams had 32 attempts Thursday night last, last year. 32 attempts. Jonathan Williams, guess what? He's not on a single team in the league right now. Like, So that, that could, that's also a point. Maybe JT get 30 attempts, whatever. But I think – more often than not this week, just play play the opposite ends of the over Mac under Taylor. Your fantasy lineups, hopefully you don't have to decide Marlon Mack over JT. Hopefully, not that Mack's not a good flex option, but hopefully you have a better, a better player, I guess, to play within there. Um, would, oh, you play Mac, Gibson? Wow. would you play Mac Gibson or Mack? Do I play Gibson or Mack this week? I would play I would play Mack because of the matchup. Okay, Mack or Montgomery? I'd play Mac. I don't trust. I don't trust my Bears. Mac or Fournette. That's a good one. Mac or Fournette would probably be a big. Week one, it's Mac because Fournette's not going to play much. This is easy. Mac. This is an easy game. We can play it all day. The answer is always going to be right. Mac. Let's move on. We've got some. Uh, we got some betting lines we're going to do for you guys a little later. But the last thing we want to do before we get to that, um, we're looking at week one. We're just going to give you a couple things that we're watching for. You know, questions that we still have, shit that we want to see how it plays out in week one, the stuff that's really important. So, you know, I'll have seven screens going on Sunday, and these will right. be the games that I have on those screens so that I can see what I need to see to be prepared to throw a whole bunch of money down on week two. Yeah? 
Oh yeah, for sure. Go for it. You want hit, hit me with hit me with one of yours. We'll just kind of go back and forth. Yeah. We'll ping pong this. My my number one is, and this is the same thing I say every year after week two, receivers, uh, waiver wire receivers are volatile. We see this every year. Basically, what what this advice is is don't throw your fab on these receivers. Last year, week one, Sammy Watkins, 46 points. Sean Jackson, 35. John Ross, 34. Amendola, 23.4. Want to know something funny about all those guys? They did not crack 15 points the next week. I could go back years and years, and this is going to happen every year. Yes, there's guys like Terry, but Terry was not a – we – I broke this down on the Commission podcast, the Zero RB podcast. Terry was not good season long. He was good for three weeks. That's it. DK was good for three weeks. That's it. Don't put yourself in a position where you're relying on these waiver wire receivers to start in week two. I don't mind if you can get one for cheap. Obviously, John Ross, is a, he was a priority pickup. Not at a ton of fab, but like, why not, right? Why not Watkins if he was there? Why not McLaurin? But don't make them be reliable fantasy players in your lineup for week two. Trust the running backs. Trust the guys you drafted literally a week and a half ago that you wanted on your roster because more often than not, that's going to win uh, So in – I guess in the other perspective of it, throw your fab on defenses, running backs, players that win you leagues for the long run rather than receivers. So that sounds more like something you are very specifically not, or you're trying to avoid even seeing altogether is the guys that go off week one that you did not expect. You, just, like, you don't want to, you don't want to accept that they even exist. So like, obviously like this is a what to watch for. It means like, Obviously, like, they're going to be good if they put up big numbers. But there's so many receivers I can give you that have good matchups that will probably go off. But yeah. in the long run of how many points they're going to put up consistency, like, they're not good for your lineup. And I made, I made a whole case about how streaming receivers is not the way to win your league. It's, it's a straight-up not. So I think – I don't know. I mean, we can, we'll talk about it next week. Guys, that you might be picking up – because we'll be, we, we record this on Monday. So we're kind of like a weekend review turning into what to watch for kind of all in one because um, me and Sky are doing the matchup. So we'll, we'll revisit that, that point exactly probably next week. So, so here's the first thing I look for. And, uh, you know, you've heard me say this a hundred times. The most important thing in fantasy football's offseason is the coaching changes. Mm-hmm. Um, right now there are, what, we've got six teams with new, legitimately new offensive yeah. coordinators that are going to change things. So as a general rule in week one and week two, I just want to see what the scheme looks like. So in, you know, in Carolina, we're watching what Joe Brady does with that offense. I want to see how um, Jason Garrett runs the New York Giants offense. Uh, Not to mention, you know, we want to see what that receiving core looks like as far as priority, right? We want to watch what happens with Scott Turner in Washington. Is he going to replicate what he tried to do end of season in Carolina or not? We want to see what um, Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt are going to be doing in Cleveland. Chan Gailey in Miami, we think we know that he's going to run the ball a shitload, probably with the bigger back. But uh, let's see what happens when the rubber hits the road in New England. Um, And then Jay Gruden in Jacksonville, he's dealing with whatever he's dealing with. But he's been a good offensive coach in the past, specifically for uh, quarterbacks. So what's it, you know, is uh, is Gardner Minshew going to take a step up with a guy like this? So I'm really looking at all these new offensive coordinators I want to see what the offensive scheme looks like it might be. What kind of run plays are they calling? What blocking schemes are they using? How quickly is the quarterback getting the ball out of his hand? What percentage of the plays are play action versus drop back passes, shotgun pass? All of these things will factor into how I move forward 
rest of season. So it's the first couple of weeks that kind of really tell you, hey, this is what they've been working on. This is what the playbook is. Um, so to me, that's the most important thing. So I'll have all six of those games on screens as often as possible so that I can kind of see what's real and what we just think is going to happen based on historical stuff. Yeah, and I think like, I don't know if there's like a ton. I mean, there's different things like snap counts, all that stuff. We, we, we are going to go over that. So obviously pay attention because pay attention, right? Do good, good, good football watchers do that, but, but make sure don't, don't overanalyze it because we'll make sure we pick out the, the good stuff that you need. Um, well, that's what we're here for, stat, stat rats. We're here to make sure people don't – well, we're here to make sure people don't underanalyze stuff, that they don't look from a 10,000-foot view and say, hey, this must be a thing. That's what we'll do. But you got to watch. you got to watch. You got anything else you're looking for, or should I just run down my whole list? I'd say this go for it. A, a lot of mine's the whole concept of this show, I guess, in general. All right, well, I'll tell you what specific things I'm looking for. So running back situation in Los Angeles, the Rams, because I do think Cam Akers is the guy. The Malcolm Brown thing surprised me. We already talked about that. I need to see Joe Burrows against an NFL defense. Um, I know it's, it's the Browns. No, who is it? Who Cincinnati got? They got the uh, LA Chargers, Chargers, right? So like we got a Bosa coming at him. Yeah. Um, I want to see what he looks like on an NFL team. Who is Tom Brady's favorite target actually going to be in Tampa Bay. I think I know, but until we see it in a game, uh, let's let's see. I want to see, as a Bears fan, how good that pass rush is going to be. You know, we got Mac, Robert Quinn's added this year. Akeem Hicks is healthy. Can they gel and get it together? If they can do it here in week one, um, I think they'll uh, put a nice test to Stafford, who's a good quarterback and a good passing offense. I think it's a good test. Who is Philip Rivers' favorite target going to be? You know, is Paris Campbell really going to be the target guy that people think he might? Is it going to be Michael Pittman? I don't think it'll be long for us to figure that out. In the first half, I think he'll he'll have some big plays. You know, um, the Los Angeles Chargers backfield, are they actually going to try to get Eckler going as a ball carrier? Or how much is Josh Kelly going to get in now? Because we all know at this point he's going to be the premier ball carrier on the team by the half of the season. How long will it last? And the last thing I want to watch for – um, is just how I want to see how healthy Big Ben is because I put a lot of stock in Pittsburgh's offense this year and it's all going to come down to, gonna happen. you know, can he actually make these throws? Is his arm fully healed? Is he ready to play with an elbow, right? Um, it was Tommy John surgery, things, yeah. All those things I want to watch for um, so that I can get a better – no pre, if we had preseason games, we'd have some of these questions answered. Right now we got to do it all in week one, week two. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, another Big Ben like that. That's it, it's going to return to one of the most fun teams to watch on the football field for sure. I don't know about win loss record, but in terms of they're going to be competing every game. I I'm I I was all in at the start of the offseason because uh, he said he wasn't going to shave the beard unless it was time to play. It's time to play, and he does not have the beard. So I think it's definitely he found, he found Jesus right. Stop raping women, so that's good. Stop drinking, yeah. like. Maybe he comes back and plays. Or maybe it's a Josh Gordon situation where he can't play sober or he can't play without That's having true. just raped know. a woman. Maybe yeah. maybe it's a Tiger Woods situation where without Ooh. some strange right before his match, he plays like shit. I don't know. We'll see. That's true. All right, should we get into some uh, week one lines? Or should we start at the Super Bowl on down and then go there? Yeah, let's start with some Super Bowl futures. Who, who do you like? What odds are you taking? I don't know if you find the same odds I find, but uh, let's yeah. hear it. So I guess like my – in perspective to like how much you're like the, the value you're getting out adding in, like, can it actually happen? The Titans are plus 3000 and that's probably my favorite one uh, so okay. far this year. There's obviously been changes, whatnot, but they, 
They had the second easiest schedule based on win total, 2020 win totals. Obviously, that changes the minute the season starts because no one cares. But they go out and they sign Clowney last weekend, and he might not even start for this team. That's how good this, this front seven is. He just adds yeah. depth to this team. Christian Folt comes in. Logan Ryan does leave, which will hurt, but I think Fulton's good enough to play this number three corner. Um, Monty Hooker's de- depth there. Really, the only concern of this team is Conklin leaving, which Isaiah Wilson did get put on the COVID list today, but they said it was not COVID, nothing, nothing huge, just kind of there. He might be out a couple of weeks, but this offensive line is still top five in the league. Basically, what I'm saying is they run the exact same team back that went to the AFC Championship in a year where continuity is going to win out. I think that's huge. The division is the easiest South. it's been. It's it's easiest it's been in the last three to four years. As weird as it is to say that, it's a good division, but it's normally it's like, okay, they're going to split the Colts, chalk it in. They're going to split the Texans. But I think this is the year where I like all three of those teams. I think one of them will be four and in the division. I'm leaning Texans or sorry, Titans, but I could flip to the Colts or whatever. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's really the Texans, Colts or Titans either way. Um, so the Titans, I love for sure. At plus six and oh in the division or six and oh, sorry. I said four. I mean, they're already going to get the six and oh from the Jags anyway. So I just kind of throw that out. So I'll kick it off then. Um, I've got four. I don't know how many you have, but I'm picking four and I'm putting money on all of them. I'll, I, I want to jump in because it's the same division. I'm taking the Colts. I got them at plus 2,500 right now. And you said it, there, there's a few things that I look at when I'm trying to pick my Super Bowl picks right now. Offensive line is absolutely one of the things that I look at. And this offensive line is so damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, between them, San Francisco and Baltimore, by far and away the best three in the game. Uh, I, I love the coaching staff here. I think they've got a legit chance. I think they had, I thought they had a good chance last year uh, until Andrew Luck retired, but uh, 25 plus 2,500 seems like an insane line there. I yeah. mean, your return on the likelihood of them at least giving themselves a chance is good. If they can stay healthy up front, I think this, this team's good. Their defense is solid too, but it's that offensive line that nailed it for me. Yeah. The next one I have, I think I have two more here. Uh, the, Sorry, the Bills are plus 2,500 or up to 3,000 somewhere. Kind of a – I think this is the one where, like, you'll beat the market by a lot because probably people won't be leaning on this if, if this hits. Really, really all you need for this to happen is just this whole uh, passing game connection to sort of click for Josh Allen. Basically, if the Bills make it this far, Josh Allen's probably going to win MVP. McDermott will probably win Coach of the Year. The, he, this will be the new Lamar Jackson. That's just kind of like the vibe of – realistically what would happen because it's not like they can't do what they did last year and go to the Super Bowl plain and simple like it, you can't not hit on deep balls have 62 percent completion percentage with like 34 deep ball completion percentage and have a above average but still not elite defense and go to the Super Bowl we don't see that every year so I don't mind them at 2500 uh based off the fact that really just the the digs connection actually fixes the problem that pass defense, that back-end defense is so damn good. Their safety yeah. pairing is absolutely the best in the league. Um, I like them, too. I got about 2,100 on my on my site that I use. But I had to take – fuck, if I could get them at three, plus 3,000, hell yeah. I'm also taking the Bills. You know, if you look year over year, rookie season of last year, Josh Allen improved in every statistical category, many of them significantly. So, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He takes another half step up. And if he does that, um, they put together a nice team – around him um and and yeah i like mcdermott a lot i think he's a good coach so uh give me him one other team that i chose here which you know not a huge return but if you look again at that offensive line you look at that d- entire defensive um 
unit all together, you, it's hard not to pick San Francisco here. They're only plus mm -hmm. 1,000, so they're right up there at the top. There's a reason um, they are a, an odds-on favorite here because they're a good fucking team. Great, great coaching there. They know how to run the offense. They're trying to build weapons on that offense to give Jimmy G some more stuff to do, but that defense is so good. Bosa's probably going to win defensive player of the year. for Not probably. He's going to win defensive player of the year this year um, it's just a great it's just a great overall team and if I'm picking between you know the bigs which right now are the the Ravens you got the Chiefs Tampa Bay for whatever reason in San Francisco I, I think the best money is on San Francisco because of their balance on on the front of the offensive line and the entire defense yeah and I think that'll be one too that if if Debo kind of sits out if IU kind of sits out they drop a close game um, some books have like the the updated Super Bowl odds will definitely uh, we'll definitely make Watch. that known on the uh, yeah, yeah. on the podcast too because they are continuity at, at its finest really on that team. You lose Buckner but replace him with Kinlaw. Who cares? He's, he's going to be just as good, at least I think, in this defense. So I like that a lot. The last one I have is the Cardinals plus 5,000. Not a huge Ooh. play, but it, I think – You got to take one shot, man. You have to take one shot on these. Yeah, and I think the process behind it just makes sense. You bring in Isaiah Simmons – return your whole defense which was like average which I know, I know like you gotta have a good defense to go far but with I, I Isaiah Simmons could make this offense complete in a way that not like in a way of like from top down to bo top to bottom but like in terms of his playmaking will boost others playmaking and he'll just be this this x factor that we that we think he is then you add in the fact that this offense is in year two at Kingsbury Kyler Murray was like in perspective to total like stats not that great actually like he was okay but then like he was really good in certain spots that I think they're going to capitalize on this year he's going to run the ball more they have three legit running backs I don't even care if it's I don't even care if Drake's not even a full-time starter run all three running backs you have five receivers that are going to Akeem Butler got cut which sucks but you have five receivers that are going to play Max Williams is a good a good tight end in real football long shot they're a little I think but I think they're a team where at 5,000 I yeah, like it. The, only, the, the biggest concern I have is just that division. I think they're going to have a really hard time in, in the best division in football. But it's a team that could absolutely step up. And you say Isaiah Simmons, but they brought in, a, a, I think, a total of like uh, six linebackers and like four D linemen to fight for jobs there to try to improve that front seven. They're doing everything they can mm -hmm. um, on that defensive side of the, all the improve. My last team is technically a long shot. They're plus 3,900, but it's the Green Bay Packers for a couple of reasons. It's hard to ever discount Aaron Rodgers, who's a great football player. They have great playmakers on that offense. And for my money, they have the best defensive line in football um, coming off of last, last season. I think this team has a real, a real, like they'll win the division, right? They're going to be in the playoffs. Well, how far did they go last year? Like they were, they were division uh, around last year. NFC championship. Did they? Okay. Yeah. I like them a lot. And when I saw the plus 3,900, it kind of shocked me. I, I absolutely smashed that bet button as quickly as I could, because um, again, they've got, they've got some, they've, they've got some units and they've got some pieces. They've got everything they need. And, and I think the coaching staff was better last year than people thought it was going to be. So give, give me the 3,900 there. Sure. Yeah. I don't mind that. Do you want to move on to, to week one? Uh, Let's go to week one. Combination yeah. spots. Yeah. I've got four games that I'm, I've got five games that I bet. In week one, how many did you bet? Let's do this. Uh, I have three so far because uh, the fantasy pros thing. I have to lock in three a week, so we'll be. Let me, I, kick, let me kick it off then. Yep. Since I have more, you know, me than you, than me, that it's fine. 
Um, my first game I'm taking is an over-under. I like to bet a couple of over-unders each week if I can. But I uh, only did one this week, and it's Thursday's game. It's Texans Chiefs. Uh, the over-under is at 54 and a half, and I bet the overall goddamn day on this game. You know, 60 points is not out of the realm of possible here. And there's a couple of reasons. One, two really good offenses. Um, two, I know the Chiefs defense got a lot better. The Texans defense got a lot worse. Um, but uh, three, and the big one is, I think, for my money, the lack of preseason games hurts the defenses more than it hurts the offenses. Defense is a hard, it's harder to play than offense. That's why college football offenses score a shitload of points, because it's harder to be good on the defensive side of the ball. So I think week one this week is going to be a higher scoring week in general than most weeks. And these two offenses are going to duke it out after, after that big playoff game that they had last year where Pat Mahomes came back from how much in the first, fourth quarter and just, uh, two, two, just two. shut yeah. Deshaun Watson's dreams right down. I mean, these two, these two teams are coming out to play this season. Great first matchup. Well done, NFL schedulers. I think they're going to score a lot. Give me the yeah, game. I mean, any, any matchup, the first game of the year to me would be, would be great in general. But, no, I think that's definitely fine uh, for sure. I, I normally do over-unders, but I couldn't, like, pinpoint one I guess I liked a lot. My, my, my number one sort of play, I guess you could say this week, is the Raiders minus three on the Panthers. And I dug pretty deep on this Panthers defense to the point where, like, how is it minus – well, it's minus two and a half. I bought it up to three. Uh, no, sorry, was that minus three and a half? Bought it, I don't even know what it was. I got plus 100 odds somehow, but now it's back down to two and a half. Whatever. So Carolina last year, this is going to go and play. Josh Jacobs, play him everywhere in DFS. Carolina allowed uh, 1.94 rushing touchdowns a game last year. Jesus. Yeah, so just throw that in if there's any props match. Whether, no, don't even need another line. It doesn't even matter. Raiders come in with 34% O-line advantage from PFF in week run, week one. Oh, that's a rushing advantage. They lost Bruce Irving, Don Terry Poe, McCoy, Vernon Butler, Bradbury, uh, Mario Addison, Luke Keekley. Those guys all ranked top 20 in tackles last year. They lost their top three players in run defense grade from PFF and their top two tacklers. They come back in now in all the corners that they're presumably starting on their depth chart, the PFF depth chart. Two of them allowed over a Q, 100 QBR when targeted last year. And one of them has less than 50 career corner snaps because he played safety last year. Now it's a Raiders team where there's not really any changes, and the only changes are dynamic Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. I mean, to smash that – I mean, I – to me, like, I think the over was a good play because it was down to 45, and now it's like 47.5. So I don't love that because I think it's more of a – this is more of a dead, sort of dead negative game script in terms of, like, these teams will be behind throwing the ball, but, like, the teams kind of suck or whatever. Like, their offenses aren't very, like, electric. So I don't really know if I'm going to play that. But the, the Raiders spread 100% money line, honestly. I wouldn't mind throwing a little bit on there too. I just think it's uh, – it's – I don't want to say they're going to kill them, but I think it's going to be a pretty easy – they're just going to be in the lead the whole time running the ball down the throats. And, yeah, the Panthers got new players, but they're a bunch of rookies, and they literally drafted seven new defensive players. That's it in the draft. So I'm attacking this Panthers team week one with a new coaching staff, new defense, new team identity pretty much all around. Yeah, good. I like uh, – you're going to hear some of these names we, I've already said a few times. Um, I'm taking the Patriots right now. They're they're at negative six, which was it was a, that that line bumped up a little bit higher than I wanted to bump up. But I'm still taking them at negative six over the Dolphins this week in New England. I think the Dolphins is going to be um, for the most part a shit show to start this season off. 
And I think Cam is ready and the Patriots are ready. I think they're going to take that down in Foxborough. You heard what I said earlier. It's been 12 years since Miami beat New England in New England. I think they beat him by more than a touchdown pretty easily. That defense is coming out to play. Um, let me give you another one and then you can go because it's another team that I just mentioned. It's the Colts. And they're at negative eight, but they're playing Jacksonville. Oh, Jacksonville I, got bad, is, I got a bad story on this. You can keep going though. But. Jacksonville wants to lose. The Colts are, are my favorite pick for the Super Bowl right now, at least with the odds. So uh, I, I gave up the eight points all day. Yeah. So so I was I was this was last week. I was looking ahead because line, the lines on week one sucked because they they move for a whole month, whereas normally you have two days of movement, then you lock them in yeah. in season. And I was looking at the Colts; they're minus six and a half, like everywhere. Early oh. last week, I was going to go lock them in for the fantasy pros thing because that's actually kind of beneficial. It's like real if you're putting in bets, like you. You get what you get locked in in this contest, which is a huge edge on your opponents that wait till Thursday or Sunday to lock in these picks in this contest because now they're at eight, which I still think is a pretty fair bet. Ahead of six and a half. Six and a half thinking, would have been awesome. I was thinking about it all day, looking at it, thinking about it. Started to do the research. Uh, go to do it and moved up to seven and a half like that. So the people just knew the same thing as me. So I haven't touched it. Um, I think the Jags, I haven't looked, uh, under team total. I think that's a solid one. I think this Colts defense in week one will come out swarming this Jags team. It's probably in the range of 20, 24 range. I don't mind the under on that. I don't see the Jags. I mean, the Colts secondary is average, but I think Xavier Rhodes with the whole whole year off, I think is going to be okay in week one. Really, they just got to manage DJ Chark and a bunch of average receivers. So I don't mind that either. Uh, the next one I have, which I locked this into the contest as well, was the Cardinals plus seven against the Niners. Haven't got a ton of sort of research on it yet, but I really I locked it in because the Cardinals were the they they really gave or the Niners last year the two hardest games of the year they had last year, putting them down to the wire every single game against them. I uh, know the Cardinals didn't cover the first time because they had like a fumble in the last play at the Niners return for a touchdown, so it was like a thirteen point game, but. It, it was, they were like throwing Hail Marys, whatever. It's seven. I think that we see, uh, I hope, Kingsbury come out firing week one against the Niners team that's a little bit banged up in week one, a little bit of turnover on, in the secondary, so we might see a little bit of room to attack that. Um, so the plus seven, it was really just that you're getting plus seven odds on a team that hung in with the Niners every year last year and on paper got better. Um, and I don't think that if both these teams have Russ to shake off, I think I'm going to take the team with that's running year two of this area offense. And getting, getting points. One of the first places I start when I start looking at lines is divisional games with a plus four or more. I mean, divisional mm-hmm. games always are always close. As a general rule, they're close. So if you're plus four in a divisional game, it's hard not to at least start looking there. So I'll take seven, even against, even against those Niners. Um, speaking of divisional games, this isn't quite a plus four, but I'm taking the Packers – with uh, two and a half over the Vikings this week. Um, I told you, I think the Packers have, you know, I bet on them at this for the Super Bowl. I think this team is going to be good this year. They were good last year. They're getting points uh, against the Minnesota team that, you know, they lost some pieces. I know they're also going to be a solid team. They're going to be duking it out for the division, but uh, this ends up being a really close game to me. You know, it it might be a field goal difference. So that two and a half might, might be uh might hurt in the end, but I'm taking the Packers because I think they win. I, and, you know, I'd take this money line too, and I think it's like a plus 110. It's not plus 105. It's not a ton there. So I'll take the points and just kind of keep it at that. Yeah, I circled the Packers money line on the early looks, and I haven't looked at really a ton of data yet. I'm doing that the next couple of days to get that narrowed down. But 
I this line is shocking because you take Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be pissed off. You need to prove people why he's the quarterback this year against a defense that literally brings back one corner from the five they had last year. Yeah. It's just I, I love Jeff Gladney, but he's a Big Twelve corner. It's going to take time for him to really adjust. Cam Dantzler uh, was terrible except for Jamar Chase. So how's that going to work in Week One? They bring in getting Nagakwe. They bring in um, well, not they bring back uh, their their front seven. But the Packers' O line is good. They lost Belaga, brought in Rick Wagner, who was just as good last year. So I think it's a, a I want to say a low scoring game, but I think it's just kind of a slow sort of just Packers football game, really. But I think I guess I don't see a way the Pack, the Vikings defense shut down Aaron Rodgers yeah, this, this game. This is a game where the Packers, the Aaron Rodgers wins a game-winning drive and wins this game at the end. That's what's going to happen. And I don't mind. Um, I think like Packers or Rodgers over passing yards, if it's anywhere around the 270 range, I think you take the over on that just because I think it's – You know what? We're going to talk about that in a little bit, actually. Oh, sweet. Okay, yeah. I couldn't find much because uh, they usually release them on like – well, normally Mondays of in-season, but obviously it's a weird year. No We're going to talk about that. Stuff. We're going to talk about that too, buddy. Don't worry. Don't worry. All my right. last – my last um, weekly line here is I'm taking the Giants over the Steelers. Giants Ooh. getting six. Giants plus six. I am a lot higher on the Giants, I guess, than a lot of people are. I think they're going to have a really good year um, this year. I think they will – They, I think they have a decent shot at winning that division. I know it's a, it's a tough division with Philadelphia and Dallas, but I think they have a shot at winning the division. Um, plus six against anybody uh, – that's a lot of points for a team that I know can score points when they're healthy. And right now they're all healthy. This offense is really good and full of weapons when they're all healthy. Uh, in fact, you know what? I bet this game money line at a plus two Oh five, because I love the odds to get there. You get a plus two Oh five um, on a game like this where I, I took it with the points and I took it money line. I think it's a good solid bet because I love the giants this year, even though the Steelers are going to be really fucking good um, offensively. And you know what? Their defense isn't going to be bad either. I just like the Giants. I, I don't know how else to say this. I like yeah. the Giants. I'm low on the Giants, I guess, but that's more of a, I guess, personal. Most people are low on the Giants, but I'm telling you, you're wrong. At For least sure. at least right now when they're healthy. Barkley's healthy. Ingram's healthy. They've got all three of their receivers. They're healthy. All right. They're going to score. The last one yeah, I have, uh, yeah, there's not really a line, but it's just attack any Jimmy G props or DFS against this Cardinals team. Uh, his splits last year plus 19 DraftKings points over his average against the Cardinals plus 17.2 FanDuel points over his over average the whole year against them. Uh, the Cardinals allowed the most DK DraftKings points to QB last year, the most fantasy points to QB last year. Uh, he had 32 points in week one or week one, week nine, 33.9 in week 11. That was with a team that had two weeks to look at game tape. They still couldn't fix it against this guy. Uh, he had three games last year, over 300 passing yards, two of them against Arizona. PFF gave him a 27% chance to go over 300-plus yards, which is pretty solid. Uh, so really, just in general, just attack this team. Um, football Outsiders has this projected as, like, the most matchup points for strength of schedule for Jimmy G, meaning that the Cardinals are giving him the most fantasy points on his projected total due to the matchup alone. So uh, touchdowns, passing yards – Target all day. DraftKings lock him into every lineup uh, just because I don't see, especially if this whole running back thing is a confusion right away week one. I think they're going to try and get McKinnon involved, which means passing. They're not going to give a ton of rushing attempts to McKinnon. So I like Jimmy G a lot uh, on this matchup. 
All right, those are those are our money lines. The next thing we're going to do here are player props for you, but we're going to do them a very specific way on this show so that uh, your boy here can get paid. Okay, so first first step, pause the the video, go download the Thrive Fantasy app. Okay, I'll wait. Cool. Now, when you sign up, sign up with the coupon code NUTS, N-U-T-Z. I don't care if you capitalize it. You can if you want. I did when I did it because I'm a big-time guy. Um, now, when you put 20 bucks in, they're going to give you 20 bucks, and you can play all damn day. If you don't know what Thrive Fantasy is, um, it's a daily fantasy app, but it's all player props. So you get into tournaments just like FanDuel, just like DraftKings, um, and uh, you pick player props. For the NFL, they give you 20 props. For the for whatever game whatever game times you're playing, um, and uh, you have to pick ten, pick ten that you like, two of them as a just in case in case a player is scratched for that week or whatever it is, uh, and then uh, and then you go you see who how many points you get versus everybody else in your tournament you pay out if you if you finish in the money now now their uh, their over unders their their player props here are are all weighted so the first one I'm going to talk to you about I'll give you the ten that I chose this week the first one is Aaron Rodgers the uh the line is 263 and a half passing yards now if you choose to pick the over there which is seems to be the more obvious choice you can get 95 points if that hits if you choose the under you can get 105 points if that misses so depending on your how safe you play it versus how risky you play it you can score more points you might get every single one of your props right in a given week and still lose because somebody else took some risks you have to balance that out. And I think it's a really interesting way to play daily fantasy football. You and I, we like player props, right? We like doing mm -hmm. these sorts of things. So thrive fantasy, put in nuts, put 20 bucks in. You get paid, I get paid. We all have fun. Okay. So here are my 10 this week. Here are the 10 that I chose. Um, first off, I chose the Aaron Rodgers thing, except I went, I went on the under. I know I picked the Packers to win this game. Um, I picked them with the points to beat Minnesota, but I chose the under. I'm getting 105 on this, so I got the odds with me. 263 and a half is just a lot of passing yards. Um, I know that this coaching staff wants to run the ball in close, so um, rolling the dice there. The next one, same game, opposite side of the field is Dalvin Cook. It's uh, the line is 77 and a half rushing yards. I know the Packers' defensive line is solid, but I'm picking the over there because I think they're going to try to ride this kid's hot hand early and often that's Gary Kubiak sort of calling card anyway. So I get 110 points if I nail that over versus the 90 on the other. So again, I'm taking the riskier move here. Although I don't think that 77 and a half is that risky for Dalvin cook. Who's going to have a couple of 15 yard carries, right? Mm -hmm. Next one, we're switching games here. Um, Julio Jones. He's got a line that was a little tough. It's 92 and a half yards against Seattle, 92 and a half receiving yards. I'm taking the over on that. That's an even split, 100 points either way. Um, I just think Julio Jones is going to have a big game. I mean, how often does he go? Last year, he had more than 100 yards in, what, eight games, nine games. I think it's going to happen more often than not. I think that, that offense, in fact, might be the highest power offense in the whole league. Uh, that's all I wanted to do in that game, but I am going to jump in on the uh, Cleveland-Baltimore game for my next Prop here, this is Lamar Jackson. Uh, passing touchdowns at one and a half. So it's, it's either he scores two or under two. I'm taking the over on this. I think he's going to throw more than one passing touchdown. I think they both go to Mark Andrews, by the way. But uh, it's only 80 points here. So choosing the under was the riskier call for 120. I'm losing potential points on this one, but I think it's a really safe bet. I know he doesn't throw a ton of passing touchdowns, but against Cleveland, I don't think that's going to be a problem for him. Um, I think – 
my next one's the riskiest one I did out of all of them, Lucas. Tell me if this is a stupid call. It's uh, Philip Rivers. 130 points is what I took because his over-under 0.5 interceptions. So will he throw an interception or not? I know the guy throws picks a lot. I chose the under. I said no interceptions this week against Jacksonville. 130 points, the riskiest possible prop this week on Thrive. Was that a good call? I, I mean, I'm going to say yeah because I, I guess I hate I think the they play it safe. I think yeah, they play like it safe. I, I think people are over-exaggerating this whole, like, change of uh, – I don't know. I think people see the Colts a lot different than we see the Colts because they don't like looking at good football teams or how football yeah. teams are built. Uh, they, they, they are single-handedly building a dynasty. Uh, they're going to insert any quarterback they want next year, and they're going to be a playoff team for the next five years. So, yeah, I think – I to me, I guess – here's the way I look at it. Where would he throw an interception? On what play call? Like, to Jack Doyle, the odds say no. A deep shot to T.Y., like – T.Y.'s a beast at deep ball, so he's going to be open, or he's going to at least knock the ball down. Like, I mean, it's a jump ball to Michael Pittman in, in the red zone. That's what I was going to say. That's the only spot I could see, like, him – okay, obviously an interception, a tip ball can happen, whatever. Like, the only – like, the only, like, red scary spot, I guess you could say, that I think there would be. But is Pittman going to play a lot over Pascal week one? Like, I don't know how it's going to work. So, yeah, I like that pick a lot. And if it's the riskiest, most reward, people are probably going to go over. So, I like that, too. Yeah. I mean, it's 70 points if I go over and I want to get a point advantage because my next one here, Lev Bell, um, it's 0.5 rushing touchdowns. I took the under playing against Buffalo. We just talked about that Buffalo defense, only 75 points possible on that one. So it's, it's the uh, easiest one I took here. And I think it's a slam fucking dunk. Zach Ertz is next um, 0.5 receiving touchdowns. I took the over. I think he's going to get one this week. We've got injuries on this team. I know Alshon Jeffrey just came off the pup today. Was it today? Maybe it was yesterday. But uh, I think Ertz is going to be a big part of week one. 120 possible points here. So it was the riskier pick. I want to get some of those points. Um, we'll go to the Bears-Lions games next. Kenny Galladay, his line is at 70 and a half receiving yards. This was a This was a tough one for me as well because – I mean, that's a really good line if you just look at his game-over-game game production last year. But as my Lion buddy pointed out to me, with Marvin Jones on the field last year, Kenny G was not a, a great wide receiver. He wasn't a stud receiver. He didn't have any big games last year with Mel Marvin Jones on the field. So I took the under. It's 115 points, so I am I am gaining some potential points on that one. Plus, I think I think they're going to give Stafford a hard time in the passing game, the Bears' D. That front, that front pass rush might be – might be great, might be bad. That's why it's something I want to watch for. This one was an easy one for me. Keenan Allen, uh, five and a half receptions for Keenan Allen. I took the over. I know Mike Williams is hurt. They said he might play. He is questionable. But how do you not take five and a half for for the the most consistent guy on this team? Like when Tyrod Taylor drops back and freaks out and needs to throw the ball, where's he going to go? Um, it's got to be Keenan Allen. I like Alvin Kamara here. This, is, this was another easy one. 0.5 total touchdowns. Doesn't matter if it's rushing, receiving, whatever it is. I took the over on that one. I think he scores in Tampa. I know that Tampa Bay defense got uh, an awful lot better. And, and the really frustrating thing was in the last three games against Tampa, Kamara has not scored. Uh, but he's due. He's due. It's happening. I think he's going to get one. Probably in the receiving game, but I think he's going to get one. Um, that those are my 10, my two in case of emergencies that you have to pick just in case somebody scratches, they give you an opportunity. I took the under on, uh, Deandre Hopkins receiving yard total at 80 and a half, which again, a tough line because that's, you know, 
one play could go for 45. But uh, I took the under at one for 110 points. And uh, Robert Woods, 0.5 receiving touchdowns, took the over on that. I know he doesn't score a lot. Uh, but I think, I think against Dallas, they're going to trying to sling the ball a little bit to keep up. So give me the 125 there. So my total possible points, 1,055 out of 1,175. I think I put myself in a good position with balance between risk and reward. And uh, yeah, I'm going to win a bunch of money. I think it was a $20, $20 buy-in with, uh, I think I win 3,000 bucks or something if I, if I place first. Heck yeah. So I think that's really all we got, right, for week one? That's all we got. Go get Thrive Fantasy. Play against me. You can use all of my damn – you can use all of my props. Win along with me. Come on, buddy. Sure, yeah. And we are – we're spitting out all these picks and numbers and blah, blah, blah. But if you go to tckpod.com, uh, five bucks for the in-season package, you will get all of these picks um, more of like an official basis because we – if we were to go with the ones we just placed the whole season long, it wouldn't be an hour show because, it, yeah, there's two of us, not that many picks. So go there. Uh, we got some cool tools. Um, we'll straight the schedule is super easy. We're just tracking that. But the range of outcomes tool, which we'll be using quite a bit uh, come after week two, because we just got to get two weeks of data to throw that in there. We'll be referencing those numbers. So if you don't want to be confused, you go to tckpod.com, uh, as well as our Discord chat, and then a private live stream Sunday mornings, I think an hour or two before the games, just to get some question answered, go over some stuff, final rankings, final plays. Uh, we'll keep a running total of all these picks on if they hit, et cetera, all that stuff on that site. So go there, go download Thrive, and when you're hearing this, two days to football. Yes, baby. All righty. We'll see you guys uh, next week, next Tuesday, for the official, I guess the official first Stat Rat episode, but week yeah. two for Stat Rat. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.